Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Well, I salute each and every one this evening with the honorable and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you. We welcome you to T.L. Elliott Ministries Bible Study. And tonight we are continuing on this newest journey through the book of Yoel, i.e. the prophet Yoel of the Old Testament. Amen. And in this, we, we began to... to uh, embrace and celebrate the anointing of this particular prophet um, whose name means Yahuwah is God. Um, and in the same turn, not only does his name mean that, but it also means worshiper of God. And when we understand the thing of worship, it means about changing my posture. It means about prostrating myself uh, in order to reverence the one supreme God, the one supreme authority, the creator of all. Amen. So we thank, we thank the Lord for using a prophet such as Joel to have a significant end-time prophetic message written in his book of so few chapters. What's, what else resonates is the fact that it is a continuation of revalidation of what is to come. What is very significant and profound as we are understanding by many if not all of the Old Testament prophets is that there is a day coming for the manifestation of the Lord. As we say the day of the Lord, we're speaking to the manifestation of the Lord uh, because he has to manifest here in order to come here. Yeah, you got to really understand what I'm saying here as I'm speaking on a prophetic or on a spiritual level of understanding these things of end time prophecy because many people are only limited in their literal understanding and see as I've, I've said numerous times we're a spirit with a body not a body with a spirit and when we understand that then if we are understand the spiritual aspect of ourselves we're going to a spiritual eternity so I have to be in balance in my understanding of things that pertain to God that now I balance out my literal understanding with my spiritual and oftentimes if I get my spiritual understanding to a level uh, 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 that is acceptable unto God, then my literal understanding will, will be more easily understood. Amen. So in that, if I may tonight, I'm picking up where I left off on the previous teaching, uh, in Yoel chapter two and in Yoel chapter two, um, I concluded in the last Bible study with verse 19 and in, in, in stating that to pick up with verse 20 on tonight, I want to ensure those who are listening kind of know where we are. Amen. Um, what has occurred is Yoel is now beginning to give revelation about 
uh, uh, Christ and his heavenly host or his army or his armada that comes in clouds here in chapter 2. And in that, what he articulates now is about the wedding feast, the, the, what we have been looking forward to as to what Jesus would allude to in the Gospels and what John would articulate to some degree in the book of Revelation with the, the, the end of days about a wedding feast. What Paul would allude to in his writings about us being the bride, the church being the bride of Christ. He alludes to this here in chapter 2 of Yoel. In the same term, the scripture, uh, 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 and, and as I say that, we can find that in verse 16 of chapter 2 and verse 17, he brings to our attention about restoring us to a position of authority as his people. When we went through chapter 1 of Joel, we began to understand about um, the disaster that shall come by the canker worm and by locusts and so forth as they destroyed everything that was of the harvest, everything uh, that was of of edibility and when we say edibility I'm not talking just in the literal sense I'm talking in the spiritual sense because it was a, a physical thing that he was talking about but he was giving us a spiritual revelation how it applies to us as individuals or how we're supposed to see things so in that he God uh, uh, brings through the prophet about there's a period of restoration where he he brings everything back where now we can be fed once again in that uh, uh, he restores us totally as his people and his people alone as declared in verse 19 and so in this let me now begin to pick up with verse 20 of this chapter and I'm reading from the standard King James Version amen so Yoel chapter 2 verse 20 the scripture says but I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the East Sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and he and his ill savor shall come up because he has done great things. Now, what are we to extrapolate from this particular verse that Yoel is saying to us. Well, let's begin to dis dissect it. All right. So now God has uh, um, restored his people. He satisfied his people. There's meaning there's a period of time that's coming. The satisfaction is coming to those that continue to believe on him or those who come into a place of salvation. Because see, understand this, even as he talks about the feast is as, as uh, he metaphorically talks about a feast and people that are invited. We're talking about the people who are now accepting the opportunity to be brought into salvation or to be brought into the family. That's why they're being invited to the feast. The ones who are already in the family or part of the family are the bride. All right. They're the one that Christ has married because they've had a relationship with him. They've courted him. They've connected with him and they've committed themselves unto him to be 
one, all right, as a bride. So this is the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the once again, ones attending the feast of the ones who still had the opportunity to receive salvation and come into the family and see, get to recognize what the church is like as a bride unto him. Now, now in that, the prophet brings to our attention how God now adjusts the trajectory and lets you see what goes on with those who has warred against him. Now, notice this, that it, it, it mentions the army of the north or the northern army. For, for those who were with me as I was teaching the book of Daniel, we understood that even when it came to the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west, those things aren't just directions as we understand in the Western world. When we began to get into the culture of the Eastern world and other, other, other cultures or countries as well, we began to understand that they are also symbolic of something. All right, east, once again, is uh, symbolic of the sun. All right, west, uh, is symbolic of, uh, of darkness or the unknown. North was symbolic of the mystery or should I say darkness or the mysticism. And South was symbolic of knowledge or the sciences. All right. So Notice that he says here in verse 20, but I will remove far off from you the northern army. So I will move away from you. He's talking about his people who has uh, 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 been restored into a place in him as expressed here in verses uh, 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 16 through 19. And in that, he says, as I move the army away from you, he says, I will drive him or banish him into a land that is barren, i.e. that is a desert or is a wilderness. Now, I began to, to come to the conclusion based upon study and looking at all the end time prophetic writings that this place that he's referring to right now, the prophet Yoel, is what we understand in some of the other end time prophetic writings as Megiddo, Armageddon, the Valley of Jezreel. All right. Uh, you you can elude yourself or, or, or come to a conclusion on this when you look at Revelation 16, 16. If I can quickly turn there, Revelation 16, 16, it says, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon, all right, or the Mount of Megiddo. This is when in the book of Revelation, what John said, the opening of the seventh vow or the seventh judgment that is placed upon the world, which is those who have been adversaries or enemies unto the Lord and the character of the Lord. They're gathered to this place for a final battle. All right. So 
in saying that and bringing that to your attention to begin to connect to what is being stated here in Joel chapter 2 verse 20. He says, I will move the northern army and will banish them or drive them into a land that is barren or is a desert or is desolate, meaning a, a place uh, uh, where there, there is no no vegetation, there is no nourishment, there is no real life occurring there, all right? So he says, with his face towards the east, or what we would say the ancient place uh, of the sun, S-U-N, or the S-O-N, as I just articulated about the cardinal directions, so they're in the valley, they're facing the direction of the sun. And then it says, and the hinder part or the end or the conclusion part of them is toward the utmost, meaning the west. All right. Uh, which is the latter or it is the place of the shadow of death, as some would allude to as a, a metaphor. Now, scripture wise in the Gospels, there exists a place called the shadow of death. When we uh, look back at, at uh, the 23rd Psalms, uh, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's actually a literal place. That's just a sidebar theological note for those that may be listening. Uh, but in the same turn, it was called the shadow of death because many times during the day you would see shadows of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, those things would be existing within this territory uh, and many people who were in the valley of the shadow of death uh, oftentimes did not survive, okay? But I just say that to say this, it is uh, symbolic of what's also being stated here about uh, the armies that are now being gathered or the enemies of the Lord that are being gathered into this barren land. They're facing his direction and death is behind them. Okay, now it says this, it says, and his stink or his stenchal order, odor shall come up and his ill savor or his foul order, odor shall come up because he hath done great things, all right? Or he hath accomplished important sayings or has caused to come into fruition important things that have been said. He will fulfill what has been brought into a uh, 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 prophetic understanding of what is to come. Okay, now I, 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 I began to articulate this to you as well because as he's talking about their odor that comes up, it's something significant about how we smell unto the Lord. Our spirit carries forth a fragrance. All right, why am I saying that? Well, let me bring something else to your attention. Uh, if you have the word of the Lord, would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians very quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the scripture says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor, hear what I'm saying, the savor, meaning the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Now, this means 
that my knowledge or my understanding in Christ, i.e. my spirit, has a fragrance that goes forth. The more I'm enriched with Christ, the more sweet my fragrance is unto the Father. Verse 14, uh, 15, excuse me. For we are unto God a sweet savor or fragrance of Christ. Look, I, I didn't make this up. Look at what, what I'm saying here to validate what I'm trying to convey to you in understanding about our spirit. Our spirit is not just something that animates our body, but it is something that animates with a fragrance that goes along with it. Y'all think about it. Uh, uh, even animals can identify with your fragrance. Okay, if that's if that's if that's not the case, you know what I'm saying? Because we 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 began to look at ourselves as just bodies. Dogs know how to find you based on your scent. Notice that animals such as mosquitoes and flies, etc., attract to you based on your scent. So if in the natural animals and insects can identify with you based upon a scent. Why do we think it's a miss that God identifies with you by a scent as well of your spirit, your spirit, your, your, your soul, your internal man is producing a fragrance based upon how much Christ is saturated in you. Okay. So now, if that be the case, now that we've got that revelation as to what Paul has written here in 2 Corinthians, now going back to Yoel and we begin to look at this verse again, he says here at the, at the end of part, he says that those that he's driving into the desolate desert land, he says uh, they have a stink that shall come up and their savor or fragrance shall come up, all right? Because they have no fragrance of Christ associated with their soul. They have no fragrance of Christ associated with who they are as spiritual individual. And so it's almost like a GPS can identify who is and who isn't on the Lord's side. So, so in that, as they come to the territory, they already have a smell on them to identify them as the enemy. And in that, he says, uh, it shall come up on them. Watch, and, and, and let me bring something else to your attention. Notice this, that the fragrance of the lack of Christ comes up on individuals, just like the Holy Spirit comes up on individuals who's got Christ. Okay, uh, the, Jesus said in the book of Isaiah, uh, 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 quoted out of the book of Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The word upon means up and on me. All right. So the spirit of the Lord comes up on you just like uh, the spirit that is the lack thereof of the Lord coming up on individuals. So now that we have that and we have a little bit more clarity and understanding about this thing about your spirit and what your spirit smells like based upon what you allow to come up on you, he says that these are the ones who are driven into the desert land that don't have any, any fragrance whatsoever that makes them be identified as being with Christ because there's nothing in their spirit in order to produce a sweet smelling aroma. All right.
let's 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 look at verse 21 of Joel chapter 2 verse 21 he says fear not O land be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things all right so he says fear not O land and as I said in the previous Bible study the word land is used here is Eretz all right uh, we can take it in the context of physical land or the ground dirt soil uh, but what you really can grab what he's saying here is when you understand it as territory or property so he says fear not my territory fear not my, my property what belongs to me this is what where, where the depth of this really begins to bring this into fruition for you he says have no fear if you're part of my territory or you're part of my property, if you belong to me, he says, be glad. Or should I say in the in the Hebrew, Gael, which means to be under the influence of rejoicing. So he says, don't have no fear, but allow yourself to be influenced, to have joy within so you can de demonstrate the joy on the outside, which is called rejoicing. Because he says rejoice for the Lord will do great things. What is he saying here? He's saying when you get into a place that there's no fear because of what he has now done to restore you and what you are now seeing happening to the enemy or the adversary being rallied into a dry place he says this is a time that you really have to be in a posture that the fear of man is not with you all right the the only fear that you should have is the reverence of the lord but he's clarifying that i don't need you to be in fear because what now should be happening is as you're seeing uh, uh, the enemy or the adversary being funneled to a territory for a battle to occur. This is the time that you should be happy on the inside and begin to uh, exemplify it on the outside. And he says, it's because now the Lord, i.e. Yahuwah, who is the existing or the eternal one, will do great things. Now, what is he saying here when he says he'll do great things? What it really translates out to be is he will accomplish his words or he will accomplish what he has said he will do. This is the great things that are occurring because remember, according to scripture, there's no such thing as a thing. Things, what we have been able to extrapolate, especially from the book of Daniel, means words or sayings. So whenever the word thing pops up in the text, it's talking about words or whatever has been said. So that's why it says he will accomplish great or important things or i.e. words. What is important words he's accomplishing other than his words that he spoke himself or had the prophets to write or to record? So he's saying whatever has been said by him, whatever has been recorded by him, it is now going to be accomplished by him. So now verse 22, verse 22, it says, it says, once again, be not afraid, ye beasts of the field for the pastures of the wilderness do spring for the tree beareth her fruit 
The fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Ah, now, what is the prophet saying here? Once again, he reiterates through the words that he's written about not having fear, as stated in verse 21. He says, ye beasts of the field. Now, once again, I, I try, I'm trying to keep you into the correct context because remember, Yoel is using a physical illustration in order to speak spiritual things. So the average person's reading this, you're thinking of the beast, i.e. cows, uh, 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 pigs, horses, everything of, of what you know as the field. But remember, this is in context of giving revelation to us as human beings. So what he's really saying in a metaphor is in regards to those who have not fully gotten a relationship with him. He's saying, fear not because they're still beasts. Everybody in the world who's not in the family to become the bride, they're still beasts. What is a beast? Means wild or rebellious one or a destroyer. All right. So in stating that what he what he brings to us as a revelation to understand, he says those who are right now seeking and establishing a relationship with me, being invited to the feast. You need to be strong just as well as those who are already part of me or in covenant with me. And in that, he says, the pastures or the places uh, 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 that were barren or made barren before are now provided what is necessary to feed you. Notice he says, they shall spring. Now, if there's some Bible readers with me, something should resonate with your spirit as to what this verse just stated. It says, be not afraid, ye beasts of the field. Then as a colon, he says, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, comma, now, what is he referring about springing? Well, watch this. If you would turn with me to the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, the scripture says, Remember ye not the former things or words, neither consider the things of old, neither consider the words uh, 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 that you knew. He says, behold, I will do a new thing or a new word. Now it shall spring forth or it shall come forward or come into fruition. Shall ye not know it or will you not be in a place that you have understanding to recognize it? He says, I will even make a way. Watch this in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. But what, what is Joel talking about? He brings to our attention once again that where we 
those who are now getting a relationship with him in the time of his manifestation or arrival, he says, what has been now uh, a barren place for you because of uh, the catastrophe that shall come upon you. He says, now I'm going to make rivers and I'm going to make everything flourish where you are because of your relationship with me and you now recognizing the new word that I am putting forth or making come into fruition. Now watch this. We're still, we're still going in on this. Still going in. So, so in that, when he's talking about springing forth, we can balance that part of this verse with Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Those tie together. Then he says, for the tree beareth her fruit the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. All right, watch this. This is going to probably be very profound to those who are listening to me right now. Right here, this verse is talking about people as well, especially those who are not the bride, those who are in a place that are now receiving salvation and being part of the wedding feast, those who are coming into the relationship with the Lord, he's talking about them, or i.e., he's talking about you, he's talking about us. Watch this when he says the tree, he says, For the tree or you shall bear fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. All right. Now, I know some are saying, how how are you pulling that out of the verse, uh, Apostle? Well, I'm going to make it simple and plain to you. Turn with me to John chapter 15, and I'm going to line this up who he's talking about. He's talking about people. Right. In John chapter 15, verse one through eight. This is Jesus talking and being recorded by the Apostle John. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman, meaning he takes care of me. He tends to me. All right. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, as we continue to go down, Jesus says, I am divine, you divine. and he begins to talk about you bearing fruit. So now, back here in uh, 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 verse uh, 22, he says, the tree beareth her fruit. Let's continue to look at, at John 15. So you can really see this coming to fruition that he's talking about people being able to manifest the fruit of the spirit. What he says is now verse uh, verse three. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. So he says as a branch, you can't bear fruit unless you're part of the vine. Jesus says he's the vine. Verse five, he says, I'm the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Ha. Hmm. Verse six, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch 
and is withered and men gathered them and cast them into the fire that they are burned. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't Yoel just say that God is going to funnel or direct or gather the enemy to a desert or a barren place? Huh. A barren place, a desert place is very uh, conducive for combustion of destruction. Uh, okay, let, let, me, let me keep bringing you in on this. Verse 6, if, an, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire that they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples or so shall you be my students based upon being able to bear fruit. So once again, here, verse 22 of Yoel chapter 2, be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, or people are bearing fruit. Watch this, and he says, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. What is he saying here? Uh, uh, the tree and the vine i.e. the branches that are connected to the vine now can yield or manifest their ability to reign or their ability to be in authority. This is what the strength is referring to here in the verse. Now, I'm going to even bring you a little bit more about the fruit and uh, um, the fruit tree and the vine. Turn with me to Judges. In the book of Judges, chapter 9 in Judges chapter 9 verse 10 and 11 it says and the tree said to the fig tree come thou and reign over us hmm wow verse 11 but the fig tree said unto them should I forsake my sweetness or my savor or my fragrance and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees. Hmm. And remember, even the blind man, when Jesus gave him sight, he says, I see men walking as trees. I'm just, just giving you some revelations, some stuff to chew on in order to understand what's really being conveyed here by the prophet. There's some deep revelatory nuggets within what's being said. If we would search a thing out, the word says, Kings search a thing out and there's some revelation that's there that we began to understand what is about to come into fruition. All right. Still on this thing about the trees and the vine. Turn with me to first Kings chapter four in first Kings chapter four, verse twenty five. The scripture says, and Judah or Udah and Israel dwelt safely. Every man, watch this, under his vine and under his fig tree. From Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. So it says men dwelt under this authority from generation to generation. Very significant. Very significant. So now, 
Let us continue to move on. Let's look at verse 23 here in the same chapter. It says of Joel chapter 2, it says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given unto you the formal rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Okay, so not only did he say here from verse 21 to not have fear and to be glad or to rejoice, he turns around and says it again. And I like over the years under, under many leaders that I've been under, they have brought to my attention that, you know, if God says something once, pay attention. If he says it two or three times, you really need to pay attention because it must be something significant. Not saying one time isn't significant, but it means you really need to focus. You really need to, 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 to have your mind set on what is being said to you to do. So in that, as we look at this, he says, be glad again. Then he says, ye children of Zion or mountain of Jerusalem. And the word Jerusalem in the Hebrew is Yerushalayim, which means teaching place of peace or teaching place of order because when you began to exhaust and understand what peace is according to God, God uh, uh, peace is an association to order and order is an association to peace. So I have to, you know, what you really need to understand is I got to be in order in that order to have peace in my life. All right. If I ain't got order to my life, then it's hard to have peace. And, and the peace that I want to have causes me to be in a place of tranquility. So, so in order for peace to come, I got to bring order. All right. So as I understand that, notice that once again, Yerushalayim means teaching place of peace. Teaching under the ancient culture means not only to regurgitate information, but it means to demonstrate the information that you regurgitate. So whatever I'm saying, I have to demonstrate it in order to bring it into order. And when I bring it into order, it brings me into peace. So these, this place was supposed to be, i.e. watch this profound revelation. Jerusalem was supposed to be a teaching place for all to get in order. And, and based upon it being the demonstration from generation to generation as to uh, experiencing what it's like to be out of order, what it's like to be in order, what it's like to be directed back into order. It shows us how peace comes as the ultimate goal or comes into fruition at the end of the course of the teaching session. So in this, now we begin to really grab what is 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 being conveyed here through the text what i believe by a profound revelation as he says ye children of zion uh rejoice and he tells us to rejoice in the lord which is your god for he hath given you the former or he's given you the earlier rain 
uh, understand the scripture declares God reigns on the just as well as the unjust, meaning he pours out his favor. He pours out his grace. He pours out his blessings. All of these things are, 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 are of the metaphor of the raindrops that God places in the lives of those who are willing to allow God to be their father and begin to pour into their life. So in this, he says, uh, 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 he gives us not only the previous rain, he says, I also give you the former rain, all right, or should I say the latter rain. What, what has been the blessings, what has been the instruction, what has been the glory, what has, has been the grace, those things that were before, he says, they have continuity or consistency throughout. So just as well as I gave them to, gave it to those who were before you, it will continue to go through you even to the times they're after you. This is what it's implying. All right. Now, in this, not only is it saying that it is consistent, he also speaks of, of, of this in, in the concept of all of those things uh, being in the previous, in the now, and in the latter, based upon this being what God considers the harvest period. All right. So I know somebody saying, Apostle, what, what, what do you mean this is the harvest period? Watch this. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11. Deuteronomy, chapter 11. Let me bring something to your attention. Actually, there's a couple of things I'm going to bring to your attention. First of all, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 14. The scripture says that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. All right. Or meaning in his appropriate time or his appropriate period. The first rain, watch this, and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. Now, isn't it profound that Moses or Moshe wrote in the book of Deuteronomy what Yoel is talking about, about the corn and the oil and the wine. And he's saying here, Moses is given in the book of Deuteronomy. He says the, the former rain and the latter rain are the windows or the gap uh, for the harvest to be pulled in. There's something that's supposed to be happening in between the first rain and the latter rain. This I'm trying to give you some revelation. Somebody should be listening to me right here. We talk about the former rain and the latter rain. We talk about it all the time in the church. We talk about it in ministries. We talk about, but see here, understand those things are eluding to a, a harvest period. There's something that should be happening in between. Uh, there should be a collection. See, Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few because one, there's there's not people in position to be a laborer. And number two, the people uh, who who one aren't in position and some that may be in position aren't ready to do the work to receive the harvest because there's a gap of time that there's supposed to be something being collected. All right. 
Let me let, 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 let me let me keep giving you revelation on this. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Still in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 24, he says, Neither say they in their heart or in their thought, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both in the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest or for us to harvest. It's right there in the scripture. Right there in the scripture. He, these, these rains that are coming, it's supposed to already, watch this, since I'm giving you previous writings before Yoel writes this, then based upon what they have said, it is already understood that's what's supposed to be happening. So I'm believing Yoel already understands those pieces, even though he's not saying it directly, it's already been quoted in previous writings, what this rain, the, the, the former and the latter rain are all about. And so he is just re-emphasizing or bringing it back up because those who are in relationship or in covenant know that they have a farmer, i.e. a spiritual farmer relationship with God in order to tilt his ground or to take care of his harvest. Let me give you one more. On this in the book of Hosea book of Hosea chapter 6 Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 it says then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord his going forth is prepared prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain as the latter and the former rain unto the earth ah, Hosea says then shall we know if we follow on to know or understand or have a relationship with the Lord. His going forth. We'll know about how he's going forth and how he produces the latter and the former rain upon the earth. So that he can come unto us. He becomes the rain. Like I said, he, he, he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. He, he brings forth his grace. He brings forth uh, his mercy. He brings forth his peace. He brings forth his order. Everything about God and the character of God becomes manifested within this time period. See, understand. Could it be the greater revelation about what's really being talked about, about when it says in the last days he shall pour out his spirit upon our flesh? This is what, what we're going to get to here in the same chapter as far as what Yoel is saying. We, we understand this in the book of Acts that it talks about the pouring out of his spirit in the last days upon all flesh. What I'm, what I'm giving you a revelation is it's not just a thing of, of people being prophetic. It's about him pouring out his character upon people within the time gap of the harvest season. Okay. Let me... Let me continue. Let me, let me continue. Verse 24. Verse 24 here of Yoel chapter 2. He says, 
and the floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil all right so he says his territory shall be full of wheat and we we usually look at the barns or the vats as the threshing floor the the place of separating the uh, uh of of preparing that which should be saved all right verse 25 or, or verse 24 he says in the floors like i said the word floor is goren which means threshing floor uh to uh and a threshing floor makes smooth or makes even what is to be saved it says it shall be full of wheat and the vats the wine press shall overflow or be abundant with wine and oil and the only reason that it's in abundancy is in order to satisfy those who are to consume it god is a god of overflow remember once again if i can refer back to the 23rd psalms david says my cup runneth over all right so my cup runneth over because god is not a god of just enough he's a god of abundance or of overflow he's a god of excess all right so if his judgment is moved upon man because man's sin or indignation is in excess or the cup overfloweth to start the domino effect of his judgment it's the same thing the opposite of of that as far as his spirit and what he has for his people it's always in excess now as i say that Watch this, verse verse twenty six uh, uh, or twenty five. He says, "And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palm worm, my great army which I sent among you." So he says, "I will restore." Or put back in place, watch this, he says, the years that the locust and the caterpillar and the canker worm and the palm worm took from you. Okay, watch, watch this. What he's really saying, that we get a revelation, he says, I'm going to restore time to you or I'm going to restore the age. What you lost in time being without me and searching for me, I'm going to give it back to you based on the eternity that I've prepared for you. You haven't lost. The thing is, I prepared things for you to be in gain. This is what he this is what he articulates here. So so in that verse. Verse 26, he says, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, meaning you shall eat of what's the overflow. What, what, there's more of it than it is of you and you shall eat and you'll be in a place of satisfaction. All right. He says, and praise the name of the Lord your God. All right. Now, praise means to give thanks. The Hebrew word here is hala, which also means to shine or to have clarity. All right. So he says you will praise or or have clarity and shine or demonstrate or stand out. 
Watch this. He says, you'll stand out uh, in the name of the Lord your God. Now, remember, the word name is Shem, which means reputation or character. He says, you'll stand out in my character. Because you have been now fattened with me feeding you of me to bring you into a place of plenty, you are going to stand out because my character is going to make you shine or make you different from the, the environment that you're currently in or what you came from. Now, he says this, he says, uh, that hath dealt wondrously, or, or, or hath dealt the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Now, that is something significant right there. He says, you will uh, uh, be in a place of plenty and satisfied. You'll praise the name, or you'll, you'll be demonstrators of the character of the Lord your God. Watch this, that hath dealt wondrously with you. What is he really saying here? This, this, this really blessed me when I really began to look at this particular verse. And I, and, I, and I caught this part that he says, that hath dealt wondrously with you. The word dealt is asa, which means to fashion or to accomplish. The word wondrous means great or marvelous. All right. Why am I emphasizing this to you other than the fact that I'm bringing to your attention that uh, Yoel quotes or actually states something already previously written. When you turn to Psalms 139 verse 14, the scripture says, I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. Ha. So the psalm says, I will praise you, which is what this verse is saying. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yoel reiterated what Psalms 139 stated when he says, I have dealt wondrously with you. He's really saying, uh, I have fearfully and wonderfully made you. That was just very profound to me that the prophet turns around and brings out something that was already written by scripture. And remember uh, here previously in the text that we, talk, that we talked about uh, in verse 21 the scripture says he will do great things or he will accomplish his word what I'm showing you is the prophet even though he gives a prophetic word about what is to come he's also reiterating what is already written and it's being accomplished it's being accomplished let me touch one more verse one more verse he says and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. So he says you will know meaning you will understand that it's me doing the work in the midst of Israel in the midst of my people and that I am Yahuwah 
your Elohim and none else, meaning I am the one true original source that even though they're my people in me, I am the source that is ministering through them. And so in this, watch this, he says, uh, 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 in the midst of this, uh, what he really brings to our attention is that he's doing a work in the middle of it all. He's doing a work in the middle of his people. As I said with Jerusalem, the meaning of the name is teaching of peace. So there has to be a teacher in position in the middle of those that are learning the lesson. This is what this is this is what he what he brings to our attention. He says there's none else, and he says, and my people shall never be ashamed. Not not only to to be shamed to to feel bad, but to be disappointed. He said, my people will not be disappointed. This is what what Yoel now begins to bring to our attention and began to resonate scriptures that have already been stated as they're coming into fruition. His prophetic vision that, that he is articulating now by scripture is only reiterating what the Lord has already said through many others of other generations before him and what he yet speaks again as we saw uh, uh, after him uh, not only by Old Testament but by New Testament. And so in this now it begins to adjust our spiritual eyesight. It, it, it should cause us to be in a place of discernment that we're beginning to look and say, okay, God, uh, uh, if, if I'm not the bride, if I, if I have not got myself in position to be who you marry, who you come in covenant with, let me be one of those who are invited to the feast that I still have the opportunity to receive salvation and in the same turn, show yourself strong in my life in order Order for me to be still delivered into the family. Amen. 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 Praise. Praise God. This is where we will conclude on tonight. Amen. Amen. And amen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.